Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Well Studio, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. Kick it off a brand new week here, Rhino. Howdy, howdy. All right, so we had a big old football weekend uh, this past one, but you were just telling me that we can look forward to a bit. Uh, more moderate temperatures. Well, this at least weekend. for the weekend, yeah. Okay, little respite from the heat. Yeah, in central Mississippi, the high on Friday will be about eighty-two, eighty-three. Wow, and then it's going to get nice and cool over the weekend with lows in the forties and fifties, and the high won't hit eighty again until middle of the week next week. Very cool. And even then, it'll only be eighty, eighty-one. I look forward to that. Now, if you could just send a little rain, that would help. Because it's dry, ain't it? It's dry all over the place. What about the river, Mississippi River? Oh, yeah. The river levels are still low, really, really low. I don't know the scientific terminology they use for exceedingly low. But it's gotten to the point now where the Mississippi River is so low and the water level is so far down that the way Louisiana sits... Mm -hmm. The saltwater table is uh, dangerously close to encroaching on their drinking water. Hmm. And you can't really drink saltwater. No, that wouldn't be cool. All right. Well, I don't know where all that's going. We also got drought-like conditions in the Midwestern part of the country, too, although the eastern seaboard is... uh, experienced deluges with the storms that kind of skirted the ski seaboard. The big hurricanes, fortunately, did not directly impact the coast, but they did did, did uh, shed some rain. Oh, yeah. You had subways underwater in New York City. That's uh, unusual. LaGuardia. I saw photos of LaGuardia, the big airport that serves New York. And like half an inch of water in the terminal, in one of the terminals. You see that with, oh, yeah. with passengers. So in airplanes landing and just big, big old splashes of water coming up from the wheels. Wow. It's beautiful in New York today. I watched a business channel this morning, and they always have uh, uh, images projected on the shows that uh, show Fifth, Sixth Avenue there. 
And the thing I did notice, well, it's so it's beautiful up there, but the thing I noticed was lots of autos in the streets and people bustling about, like people maybe going back to the business district to work even. Maybe this whole work-from-home thing is starting to be phased out. You've seen virtually every major company in America, their CEOs have said, come on back to the office. I support that, by the way. I don't, I don't like this idea of just everybody just stay home. I think you'd lose a lot. But right now, employees have the upper hand in the job market because there's more demand for people, uh, more jobs available than there are people available to take those jobs. So it's a supply, uh, pardon me, a demand exceeding supply, a supply lagging demand situation, which is good for workers. Speaking of workers, the UAW strike continues. You've seen that. And I, I saw an article, don't have it in front of me, where the, uh, the president of the union that is orchestrating the strike, oh gosh, he basically says that there should be, Sean Fain, his name, there should be no billionaires in the country. This guy is a socialist, and he's really returning, I would say, the labor unions back to their roots. I mean, if you go back and look at the at the kind of history of labor unions, it, it really is more, you could call it pro-worker, but I would say it's pro-socialism is really what it is. They want to tell you it's pro-worker, but it's not. It's pro-socialism. And he's really engaging in the class warfare rhetoric is Sean Fain. Once again, like I said, returning to the UAW's socialist roots says that there should be no billionaires in the country. Now, when they when you see this kind of stuff, what do they mean by that, Rhino? Like, once you hit that, we take all your money after that? You just can't make any more? Well, so they then, live under the assumption that you cannot possibly make that much money without stealing it from someone else. That's true. Couldn't so, possibly be any value added you put into the world. Couldn't possibly be any investment you made. Couldn't possibly be any risk you took. Nope, you just stole it. That's true. You exploited the workers. You earned it off the backs of the workers, right? That's what they always say. You know, the workers here, in this case, that want to work 32 hours a week, be paid for 40. You think the CEO of GM works 32 hours a week? I can tell you, it's 24 hours a day. You're never, ever disconnected. You can't be. Not when you're responsible for that many people, that big of a company, with that many issues that are cropping up 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is what Mr. Fain says. Billionaires, in my opinion, don't have a right to exist. That's what he told UAW workers. The well, that very sounds like a call for violence. Oh, but he says he's he's not really 
engaging in class warfare here. The very existence of billionaires shows us that we have an economy that is working for the benefit of the few and not the many. It feels like we've gone so far backward that we have to fight just to have the 40-hour work week back. Why is that? So another a-hole can make enough money to shoot himself to the moon. That's what he said. Oh, my gosh. This is just class warfare on steroids. Nancy Pelosi. So we, we avoided a government shutdown to the chagrin, honestly, of many Republicans who wanted to shut it down. Still do. So we avoided a shutdown by extending another continuing resolution which just says, keep spending at the same levels last, in, last enacted in appropriations for the discretionary component of the federal government. you got 45 days, and then we'll figure it out then. This is going to happen again. We're going to have the same debate. The Democrats have very wisely, I might add, engaged in the class warfare and they're once again calling for higher taxes. This is what Nancy Pelosi said. It's such a fraud when extreme Republicans say this fight is about spending. These are people who gave a tax cut to the richest people in America with 83% of benefits going to the top 1%. That's when what's-his-name was president. She won't ever call him by his name. And they'll try it again, but we will stop them! Exclamation point. So, let me just be clear here. And so she goes through, once again, this dishonest, duplicitous, disingenuous, deceptive argument that the tax cuts produced a $2 trillion deficit. See what I mean, you did there, though. What's that? All those words started with D. I know. <laughs> she says these were huge cuts in nutrition for women, infants, and children. <laughs> this isn't about the budget. Emotions. Listen to my emotions. Vote with your emotions. It's such a fraud when extreme Republicans say this is about spending. They gave a tax cut. So what she's basically saying is, <laughs> the rich people in this country, you're responsible for paying for everybody else. Right? The top 1%. And then they jump on the billionaires. There are about 700 in the country. By the way, if you confiscated every penny of billionaire wealth, Every penny. Just take all their money. I don't mean their income. I mean their wealth. Their business assets, their real estate, their stock holdings. Take every penny of it. You could fund the government for 10 months. And then it's over. 10 months. If you took every penny from the top 1%, you could fund the government for about five years. Oh, by the way, in either of those scenarios, you know what happens? Global economic collapse. The whole thing falls down. The entire global economy. Your 401k plans, zero if this happens. That's what they want. They're not very good at math. Richard no. Greenlee, owner-promoter of Ratchet Entertainment at 1035. Stay with us. 
Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone it's middays we're in the element wealth studio we appreciate you joining us are you thinking about or planning for a retirement do you have a plan go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let element wealth help you find your balance between income growth and guarantees it's going to be a busy week on Middays Rhino. First, we got some tickets to give away to the Sanderson Farms Championship because that gets underway today. And we're going to be out there Friday broadcasting from the Sanderson Farms uh, Championship. We'll be at Mississippi's only PGA Tour event next uh, Thursday. Uh, that's Sports Talk is there next Thursday. Middays will be at the event on Friday. You can get tickets at sandersonfarmschampionship.com. But we'll be there this Thursday. Th- I said that, right? This Thursday? Did I, I say so? Live Rain says next Thursday. Oh, oh, oh. My bad. My bad. Just it a is a quick correction, but okay. it's going to be this Thursday because, I mean, it's taking place this weekend. That's right. So, sorry for any confusion there. Sports Talk this Thursday at the championship. The Country Club at Jackson, middays, Friday. That's when we always uh, broadcast from Sanderson Farms. Looks like good weather in store. Should be a good a tournament. But then, before we go there, though, we're going down the coast on Wednesday for the 27th annual Cruise in the Coast. It's America's Best Car Show. is voted by USA Today, and you don't want to miss it. Middays with Gerard from the Biloxi Town Green on Wednesday. Come by and see me, folks. I'll be up there on the little platform stage. I know we'll have a great lineup in store, but most importantly, see all those classic automobiles. Looks like great weather in store for us. Looking forward to being on the beautiful Mississippi Gulf Coast for the 27th annual Cruising the Coast. i tell you one tournament that didn't go very well, and that's the Ryder Cup. Oh, geez. That was incredible. The Europeans took it to the United States in the biennial event, the Ryder Cup. That was not impressive. I did tune in and watched as much as I could, but when you're on, uh, when you're in Europe, this was in Rome. Beautiful course, by the way. What a contrast! You're you're playing golf on this this beautiful modern golf course, and you're just a few miles away. From all this ancient history, if you think about that, in Rome, they a few times during the broadcast, they they would project a map uh, on the screen showing the location and the proximity of the course to, say, the Colosseum, the Vatican, other famous historical attractions. Well, I mean, in Rome, you can turn a corner and, it, oh, look, there's a coffee shop in this weird column right next door. <laughs> and, oh, that column just happens to be 2,500 years old. <laughs> That's true. It is amazing. It's the only part that's left from the building that was 25 years ago, but it's still there. The column's there. You could go take a picture in front of it. Disappointing, though, in the uh, in the performance. Disappointed in the performance of Team USA. 
I uh, I did buy me some new head covers, by the way, that are Ryder Cup USA. Beautiful, cool-looking, red, white, and blue, American colors. Match my golf bag, my red, white, and blue USA golf bag. But that Ryder Cup emblem <laughs> on it, not real happy about that. What was the story with the guy I didn't want to wear a hat because he wasn't getting paid? I don't know what that was all about, but he did the fake hat tip. You see that? <laughs> That was crazy, wasn't it? The uh, the the really one that was pa- the 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 format that was painful to watch was the alternate shot, which is always difficult anyhow. But Jordan Spieth and his partner they didn't do too well in the alternate shot, and watching some of those some of those shots was just incredible by his team. Uh. I think it was uh, Dustin Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, was his partner. And that was um, almost a collapse. Uh, pardon me, Justin Thomas. Did I say that? I may, I, say, I may have said Johnson. Justin Thomas. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas. Man, for Spieth, though, it just went sideways. I hate to see that. He, he's a delightful young man, a great player, but he's struggling a bit of late. And uh, one of those holes, he... He pulled his drive with a hybrid into some crazy-looking, gunchy rough, and they argued about whether or not it was embedded, and they, they got the officials all hovered over this ball, and finally Thomas hit it, and it went about two feet, and he about fell down trying to strike at it because of this wiry, gnarly rough that the ball was down in. <laughs> Good grief. Well, hope we do a little better when they come back in this direction they would play on American soil in two years. The uh, the game was fun for us Ole Miss fans. I had a lot of fun with that, although it was um, it was dicey, shall we say. Uh, until the very end, it was a track meet. You kind of felt like that was going to be the case. You've probably seen, no doubt, all the statistics all sorts of records, I think, or close to records in terms of offensive output. Really incredible. And you kind of felt like it's going to come down to whoever's got it last. I think there were five total punts in the game, if I'm not mistaken. It, I, I had to, at some point, felt like, man, it would be just a moral victory if we just made them punt one time. It was pretty tough. There was a, uh, an incredible hit that has made all the highlight reels. The LSU quarterback was um, escaping the rush, turned the corner upfield along the sideline and didn't account for one of Ole Miss's DBs who sent him into never-never land along with the ball, which was recovered by the Rebels. That's made a lot of highlight reels. The other thing that's made the highlight reels, of course, is the, the team, uh, the team, pardon me, the fans, stormed the field, as they say. I thought you were going to talk about throwing trash on the field. Well, I saw all that, and I know there was some disgust at the officiating, and I guess that's just how we how we roll these days, right? College football. Um, I don't Looking like more that. more and more like Mexican soccer every day. Yeah, that's a fairly common occurrence, is it not? Oh, yeah. And, and that was... Uh, that that was a bit disgraceful in my view. I I just you know I didn't like the call either, but I'm not going to start throwing stuff on the field. Of course, you're a student, 
you're feeling your oats, you're a little more aggressive, I guess. Lubricated. Yeah, plus that. The other thing was you've probably seen a video that's gone viral. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, of the the fan, the student fan, that uh, perched himself atop the goalpost. You've seen that one? It was surrounded by security. That was in the north end zone, close to the student section. And he was just waving at the crowd. And, uh, of course, they were trying to coax him down and thinking maybe he'd climb down, shimmy, I guess, down the, the upright. But he didn't. He just jumped. Uh, landed on his butt is what it looked like. You think he's hurting today? <laughs> somebody it might. reminded me of that video where somebody <laughs> threw the Kermit puppet off the roof and it looked just, woo, <laughs> pop. <laughs> that was um, that was kind of funny. Something else that happened over the weekend. Trump was speaking out in California, Anaheim, I believe, and he used the MF bomb in his speech. Oh my gosh! By the way, he is uh, in trial in court today in New York City. I heard his remarks pre-trial driving here to. Super Talk Studios. He makes some sense. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out as well what what crime was committed here, who was wronged, who suffered damages. The banks were on board. Okay, so he overvalued his property. I've never known any financial institution, any lenders of any sort, to just carte blanche write checks and loan money without doing on assets, without doing significant evaluation of those assets from people who were professionals in appraising assets, whether it's a business, a building, whatever it is, a piece of equipment, insurers the same. Who got hurt here in his actions? He made that point in his pretrial comments, which were streamed. I'm not really sure. I do think he made a calculated error in calling the judge a racist. Don't think he's going to get a lot of favor in the court from the judge by ascribing that term to her. I don't think that was very smart on Mr. Trump's part. My one question is, did he pay taxes on the valuation he got the loans for? Because if so, tax man needs to give him a refund. She says they didn't. Now, but the, but the same thing applies. The government, they assess the value of your property. And you pay taxes accordingly. I've actually had that happen to me before. I'll tell that story later where they increased the value of my property, did the tax assessor in Madison County. And I'll explain why. It's kind of fascinating. This is about seven or eight years ago. We're coming right back with Richard Greenlee, owner-promoter of Ratchet Entertainment. You're listening to Middays with Gerard, Gerard Gibbert, here on Super Talk Mississippi.
back in the Element Well studio. We welcome to the program Richard Greenlee, owner-promoter, Ratchet Entertainment Group. All right, Richard, you got the big Township Blues Festival. First time, right? This is the, the first inaugural. Time. It's the inaugural, yes. Tell us about it. Well, we're going to uh, speak Saturday, November 11th, which is Veterans Day. And, uh, you know, we've done the Jazz Festival, or Township's done the Jazz Festival out there for 16 years. And the guys out at Township, uh, you know, wanted to do something. So we came up with this idea for the, the Blues Festival. So this is the first one. We plan it. Plan on growing it every year. Um, got all day music. Five great bands started at three thirty in the afternoon, going to ten thirty at night at the big green space uh, right out in front of Sombra and Soulshine at the Township in Ridgeland. November the eleventh. November the eleventh. It's Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure is. Yep. We'll be, a matter of fact, on the tenth, which is a Friday. Mm-hmm. We're going to be at the um, Mississippi Armed Forces Museum mm-hmm. uh, because it's Veterans Day. That's kind of a tradition for us here at Super Talk. Looking forward to that. And then the next day. Mm-hmm. You got the Blues Festival. Yep. Blues Fest- who's coming? Okay, we've got a great lineup. Opening up the show is a legend, Jimmy Duck Holmes from Bentonia, Mississippi. He's the proprietor and owner of the Blue Front Cafe. If you know, is the oldest surviving juke joint in the state. It's on the Blues Trail. Great guy, Jimmy Duck's awesome. Him and his guitar, and he just sings and entertains the crowd. Hmm. After that, we've got a local local boy from Clinton, Jerekus Singleton. Um, played basketball at Southern and William Carey. Great blues musician, guitar guy. Uh, he'll uh, be second. Um, third, we have got a band out of Memphis, a six-piece called Ghost Town Blues Band. They're <laughs> rockers. They're, it's going to be a great. They're bluesy, but they, you know, they're they're rocking. Got that ZZ Top feel and six-piece. After that, a legend, Cedric Burnside, Grammy-nominated, won all kinds of awards. You know, the son, a grandson of R.L. Burnside from Holly Springs. He will be doing a duo, um, playing you know around seven fifteen to about nine or so, and then closing it off is Taz, well Brandon Taz Niederauer, and uh, I don't know if you remember, but both Taz and Cedric have played on my lineups before, and Taz is from New York, prodigy guitarist, got discovered by the late Colonel Bruce Hampton, uh, actually discovered the Ellen DeGeneres show when he's 11 years old. He's played on stage with everybody there is. He's mm-hmm. an insane guitarist. He's a 19-year-old kid now. At, I think he's at Yale. But he is still rocking. He's coming down to, to close the show for us. How do you get tickets? Townshipblues.com. I have a website, townshipblues.com. Got everything there. We've got a VIP section um, with a tent and tables and chairs. And then we have the, just a big standard lawn. You know, bring your blankets, folding chairs, whatever you want to. We've got great food and beverage out there, food vendors and full bar and soft drinks, everything you want. 3 p.m. to 10.30. Is that right? Yeah, about 3.30. Well, 3 p.m. the gate's open. 3.30, I think, uh, um Jimmy Duck will go on stage, and we'll close it up at 10.30. And you've got uh, some sponsors as well, right? We Oh, great sponsors, of course. Um, it's presented by Bush and uh, Bush Light and Ultra, which is Southern Beverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Renova Roofing is a big sponsor this year. They've been great. Super Talk Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Visit Ridgeland. Um, visit Mississippi. And we're still working on a few others because, you know, we know – so I've talked to you about this before. It's very expensive to build a venue like that. Mm-hmm. So we, we literally can't do it without sponsors. I mean, the sponsors who, who make it possible to, to happen. That's a neat setting for this, too, isn't it? It really is. And, um, you know, we've done stuff down the street at Renaissance before, and mm-hmm. Township's really a growing area. And it's, it's a great – it's right on Holland County Parkway. It's really long and narrow, so it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to look, look really good. We've got a good setup. So it's going to be full stage, full sound, full production. It's going to be a great one. So are there, there food and beverage vendors are going to be set up to service – 
the attendees? Is that mm-hmm. how that works? I mean, just, you don't have to go inside, right? No, it's just it's a closed ticketed event. It's all be fenced off. Um, come in right there, and we'll have uh, food vendors there um, <clears throat> who will be serving food. You know, yeah. just like any other festival, and have two or three bars, so open bars, or not open bars, but you know, cash and credit bars, and um, just like a regular festival. And uh, we're starting off this year with a one one day festival. Hope to grow it into two. You know, we are. The capital city of the birthplace of the modern music and blues. Yeah. And we need a really good, solid, the great blues fest in the Delta here and there, but there's no one really true blues festival. We hope to make this Mississippi's premier blues festival every year. So you bring uh, your chairs, right? You mm-hmm. bring your, your little setup. Mm-hmm. Is the way it works. It's an open lawn. Bring, yeah. You're welcome to bring your blankets or your tarps or your you know your folding chairs and they'll have back checks. Make sure you're not you're bringing in. You can't bring in coolers. You can't bring in food or beverage because we've got yeah. it all there. It's sure. It's a fenced off ABC rule. So sure. Uh, but yeah, bring in your blankets and chairs and kick back and get the toes between your you know your feet and listen to some great blues. Any thoughts on how many folks you you expect to attend? That's a good question. You never can tell. And I, and I, I'm born and raised in Jackson, love this market, but it's, it's hit and miss sometimes, especially in the fall You know, with all the SEC football. Mm-hmm. We, we never plan anything that's with a state old Mr. Southern home yeah. game around. Sure. Um, so we'd like to, you know, we'd like to have a couple thousand people out there, um, or, you know, it'd be great. 1,500, 2,500. You know, the space is so long, we can just move the fence back as we sell tickets because mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's three or four hundred yards long. So. Well, how is the how's this the setup for the entertainers themselves? Are they on one end of the long space in the in the rectangle, or are they kind of in the middle and it's just spread out from there? How does that how is it configured? Well, we we we, just, we established we're going to put the stage on the south side, basically in front of Sombra, okay, facing back to the north because you know people don't understand about production. Probably you know originally we wanted to set it up to the north and play back to the south, but when you're trying to get trucks and trailers and musicians in and out, there's no way to get in and out of there. So okay. coming in front of Renaissance Bank right there on that corner, it's yeah. easy to get trucks and trailers in a little backstage area. And what the stage will be set up facing yeah. back to the north. That'll and be a great view, though. Great. Yeah. And at, right along Highland Climb Parkway, we'll have all our vendors and food because – if you know that the space slopes off and there's some trees, right. and so the shade will be on the left side, you know, during the day if it's sunny, so it you know puts the spectators in more of a that shade. That'll be perfect. It's um, gonna be great. And in fact, most would be set up uh, at least in line with the stage based on that configuration. Mm-hmm. We'd almost be everybody almost center stage. Exactly. There. We've moved the stage a little bit, you know, candidate two thirds to the left, so yeah. it's going to be a. And you, you know, artists love it because they can see all the way back and see the landscape and the sun setting, and it's it's going to be great. What do the artists think about? Coming in for this, they you love t- it. You know, we've done this in the original area for about. Well, we started in COVID. Uh, our first show was the first week of November in 2020, and it was beautiful, great weather. We've mm-hmm. always knock on wood. Mm-hmm. It's a rain or shine show, but we've always had great weather that first week of November, uh, and they love it here. You know, they a lot of them have not played the area, and they come in and say, "Wow," you know, and they love playing these lifestyle areas, just like we did at the Renaissance Township, where you know you've got stores and restaurants and things yeah. going on and hotel, but you've got five hotels. Within a hundred yards, yeah. So that's true. The, the hotels usually sell out when we ever do a show, and they, you know, it's great for the economy and for Ridgeland, and it's great. Well, uh, of course, unbelievable musical roots in the, in the state of Mississippi, but but uh, and that endures. Mississippians love music, don't they? They do. They really do, especially blues. And um, um, but you know, all of our genres can originate back to the original blues and Robert sure. Johnson and the Crossroads. And so, you know, I've, I've met artists all over the world um, hmm. and t- find out from Mississippi, we end up talking about the Crossroads in Clarksdale. You know, I met Lenny Kravitz in Munich, Germany, and, you know, others. And we've talked about Crossroads in Mississippi and how important it is to music. So. Why do you think that genre still is popular and persists today the way it is? I mean, blues? Yeah. 
I think it's because it's really what you know. It's really what founded modern music. Um, you know, every every punk, hard rock, soul, all can. And don't get me too philosophical. Can lay its roots back to the blues and what it did for us, and you know the Delta and Mississippi, and it's just it's 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 academic and true academic musicians love to study and get into the history of where it came from. And all their idols are blues guys. Yeah, and and all the original rock and roll artists, right from the fifties, sixties, mm-hmm. almost all will point to being influenced somehow by. Blues musicians. It is, and I'm I'm not scholarly like most could be, but some could tell you exactly why and how and how it developed. But it's just literally. I mean, I met Dave Grohl. He's talking about the blues in Mississippi, and yeah. they all point back to the blues. You know. Yeah. So. What else is on the horizon that you could tell tell us about for Ratchet Entertainment? Well, we're working on some things. You know, I'm working on some college universities. We did that um, Brett Eldridge show uh, after Super Bulldog Weekend in Starkville last year, and it was really really a big thing and so uh, a lot of college and universities you know now with the nil uh and transfer portal they've got to get you know they've got to get sexy and they've got to sell the brand <laughs> and they've got to sell more than just what you can do on the field so naturally just like in mlb and nfl that are doing concerts after games and you've got to bring the entertainment aspects in it a lot of these athletic directors now are saying hey we've got to we've got to bring sell not only students but athletes to our university so Incorporating entertainment and music and concerts is going to be really – starting now, but over the next 10 years, you'll see it really integrated into actual game day experiences. Speaking of which, what do you think about uh, all this interest uh, surrounding Taylor Swift? You ever seen an artist like that? No. I mean, you, I mean, I'm, you see what the, their jersey sales and the brands, the Chiefs have gone up just because <laughs> she's there? I mean, it's the whole – I mean – Tickets I, went no up tell, 40% last no week. No telling what their brand value has gone up just because she's dating – a player. That's unbelievable. 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 They pay her royalty. <laughs> well, um, my daughter and my wife are big Swifties mm-hmm. and uh, went to see her perform in Nashville yep. uh, a few months ago. In the pouring rain? Yes, it was a raining. It sure was. Sometimes rain makes the greatest experiences you've ever seen. <laughs> Townshipblues.com. Get your tickets today. Sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Richard Greenlee, owner promoter, Ratchet Entertainment, has been our guest. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well studio. Listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back in the Element Well studio. We appreciate you joining us today. Uh, let's see, looking at a, a story here on the television Nebraska imposes new law for gender affirming medication. It's just insane that we're so wrapped up in that issue, that subject to me. It's crazy. I want to get back to my, my tax assessment. 
story, because Trump's in, on trial today, and it's all about the valuation of his assets, his, his properties in particular. And the best I can tell, the issue at hand in this case is that he overvalued his assets. I'm still struggling to understand what that means, who was harmed by that, and how the owner of a property, or any asset for that matter, how their valuation is the one that's held by all parties involved in any sorts of transactions. I worked, when I was uh, seeking to acquire companies, probably reviewed and or met with 60 prospective sellers. Every business owner thinks their business is worth a whole lot more than it is. Every one. I don't ever remember working with one and their investment banker who would represent them saying, yeah, uh, it's worth less. <laughs> I've never seen that before. So my house was an example. I literally got a call from the tax assessor about three or four years after I was in it. And the, and the tax assessor said, look, we're um, increasing the assessed value of your property, which means my taxes would be going up. And and I asked him, you know, I, I, on what basis? I mean, I never really dug into how the tax assessor assessed my property. And it was based on Google images. True story said that the Google images revealed that I had a separate structure in my backyard, which is a pool house. It's not connected to my main house, separated by the pool. It's a, it's a simple structure that's that's got a kitchen in it and a bathroom. Kind of common, you know, for a pool. A pool house, we call it. And it added a little money to it. And that's fine, but but said, yeah, and they sent me the pictures, which you could see. I mean, you know, you can go to Google Images and drill down to an address, and it's an aerial view that shows that, and you can clearly see the rooftop, you know, of that structure. So what you're saying is, if you're planning on building a fancy shed, a she-shed, if you will, in the backyard, <laughs> you want to go on Google and block the image of your house so the <laughs> county tax assessor can't see it and actually have to go out and do something and look at it. I mean, I didn't argue about it. You know, I paid the taxes. I just, I, you know, and that was a long time ago when this thing was kind of new. The whole Google Earth deal was fairly new, right? It's pretty common today and uh, used quite a bit for a number of applications, and certainly in site selections and just site views or, or markup showing this is the site and overlaying, this is what your, your property, your footprint of a proposed construction would look like. But back to Trump. So um, my friend Josh Harkins, senator in the legislature over in the state senate, who is, um, of course, in the commercial real estate business, knows a lot about this stuff, and he's listening, sent me a text. He said, look, valuation of a property is just an opinion of value. Absolutely. I said, true value, he's absolutely right in this statement, true value is determined when a willing buyer and a willing seller agree to a price. Well, of course. That's just market dynamics at work. A foreign concert, I might add, Rhino, to the left in this country. 
They think the government's got to insert themselves into that transaction. Can't let buyers and sellers work that stuff out. They don't know what they're doing. Got to have government to protect. Oh, yeah. And all they do is screw things up. He says, what real estate owner did not think that their property was worth more than the person that was buying it? Well, of course. And then they work it out. So I'm still confused on what's going on here, other than I think Trump does make a valid point. It does look like it's politically motivated. And this is a person, well, right? I mean, the person that brought the charges ran on the entire premise of, I'm going to get Trump. Yeah. So how could it not be politically motivated? Of course. And it, you know it is. And it's all in an effort to, to take him down, to diminish his ability to conduct business in New York, and in the hopes that he's so tied up with all these legal matters that he can't effectively campaign or run for office. Regardless of what you think about the man and as a candidate, the people need to decide that. Not these witch hunt, frivolous lawsuits. That's just wrong. That's Banana Republic stuff. So I, I agree with Trump in this matter. I'm still tr- searching for who in the heck got, got harmed in this deal. She's made no case that I can tell for it. And you can't say it's based on undervaluation for tax purposes, it's it's the tax assessors, the government tax assessors that determine that. It's time for Fox News and Super Talk News. We're coming back an hour left and then Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews. Get ready. Get ready. To go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's midday's hour two on a Monday, kicking off a brand new week in the Element Well Studio. Once again, we're going to be cruising the coast on Wednesday. Down there on the Biloxi Green, come by and see us, please. And one of our members of our audience, Rhino, sent us some some photos of our setup last year. You can see the Super Talk set a few feet above ground there on the Biloxi Green with the iconic tent overhead. Appreciate that. Come by and see us, folks. So you have a good time at cruising the coast. The weather's going to be great. See those fantastic classic vehicles and just lots of good people having fun. Come on by. And you got the best part about that particular remote is that I can see the Gulf. It's really a neat view right there, looking over those those vehicles, Highway 90 and then beyond, uh, the hotels, and then I can see the Gulf, the blue water. That's pretty cool. Always nice to have a seat with a view. <laughs> Absolutely. So we were talking earlier about this situation with Donald Trump. So much news to get to today. We're going to try to get to much as we can uh, in analysis. If not, we'll continue the discussion, as always, tomorrow. But Donald Trump, uh, during the break, was watching him. It's almost surreal, the images of him in the courtroom, sitting at the defendant's table, flanked by his attorneys, a full courtroom. I guess it's probably reporters and other interested parties connected to the trial. I still really just don't get the theory of this lawsuit. Okay, he inflated in 
personally, in his mind, and in his writing, perhaps, in his communication, verbally, he inflated the value of his properties. Who the heck loans money, insurance, insures property, or conducts other business transactions where the value of an asset is critical on the basis of what somebody tells them it's worth? The owner, specifically, in this case. Nobody that I know of. I don't get it. And they're saying he committed fraud. So, does that mean, folks, that let's just say that somebody approaches you without any solicitation. They're interested in your house. And they approach you. Knock on your door. This happens. You know this happens. Hey, I'd like to buy your house. Will you sell it? Hmm, well, sure, but it's worth $8 million. Well, I don't think it's worth that much. Okay. Well, at that point, did you just commit fraud? It doesn't mean you have to accept it. But in this case, banks said, okay, Mr. Trump, here's your money. Then he paid it back. In the case of these assets, he didn't default on any of them. He paid the loans. And insurers who were unbelievably careful about this sort of stuff. Because they're on the hook big time. They just don't write insurance policies without having some understanding, some data from a third party, usually an appraiser. That's a whole science unto itself. It just makes no sense to me. And then you got the tax assessor component of this. Do you just go to the tax assessor and say, I, I think my house is worth X. Just charge me commensurate level of taxes for that. I just don't, I don't get it. I'm, I'm confused. Sheridan Brandon says, I just sold my mom's house. The buyer agreed to our asking price. Mutually agreed upon. No appraisal. Sure. Understand. So, here's the deal, though, Sharon. That probably means that the buyer wasn't going to finance any part of it. Because if they're financing it, then they'd have to get a third party. The bank would require a third-party appraiser. Heck, even if you refinance, they'll order an appraisal. And you got to pay for it, by the way. you got to pay for the third party. But sure, that happens all the time, right? Same with a vehicle. If, you, if you're not financing a vehicle or any other major asset in the transaction, the buyer's not. Yeah, whatever you guys agree to. That's just the market. Again, something these fools in this court, Letitia James, <laughs> they don't understand basic principles of economics, market economics. Well, well they're liberals, so of course they don't. Because the government's got to have a seat at the table. Right. This is something, honestly, I really wish that the Republicans last week in the debate would have discussed more extensively, and that's just this, this constant conflict we have in this country about economic systems, capitalism versus socialism. I wish we'd have dwelled more on the preservation and the value of capitalism. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear a whole lot. I said this last week uh, after the debate about a tax structure and tax policy. 
Because the Democrats are all over this. Look, the reason we're running these $2 trillion deficits, by the way, that is what it's coming in at. I predicted it a few months ago, not trying to pat myself on the back, just trying to say, why isn't anybody talking about this? This president, over and over and over again, has gone out with that creepy, I cut the deficit. No, you didn't. It's $2 trillion. You're just lying about it. $2 trillion in one year. $2 trillion. Total spending, 6.3. That means that roughly 30% of our outlays are deficit. Deficit. And by the way, if in these deliberations... Just think hypothetically. 45 days, we have a continuing resolution to fund the government. Let's say in these 45 days, we get zero. We can't, can't come to an agreement. And we totally shut. I don't mean just shut it down. I mean that we appropriate zero. No money. We would still produce a $300 billion deficit next year. That's how broken it is. I mean, no defense, no agencies. Think about all the crazy agencies in the federal government, the Department of Ed, the Department of Justice, the EPA, CMS, DHS. Just go down the list. I can't even, transportation, labor. I can't think of all of them. They get zero. Department of Treasury and IRS, zero, nothing. Department of Defense, our military, zero, nothing. We still produce a $300 billion deficit. Why won't anybody in Congress face that reality? Why is that? Because of all the revenue we send, both Social Security, Medicare taxes, and income taxes from individuals and corporations, that doesn't even cover Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the the other federal assistance programs, and debt interest. Add all that up, that is more than all the revenue we send to Washington. But goofy people like Nancy Pelosi said, we have a tax problem. We don't collect enough taxes. All the taxes we send still can't cover just the mandatory, statutory aspect of outlays. That's how broken it is. And next year, it's going to be a $2.2 trillion deficit. And when Joe Biden leaves office, he will have generated more than $8.2 trillion of debt. And the Democrats pounce on Trump for adding 7.8. And the people out there say, yeah, that Trump, he's a big spender. And, and more than half of that came in one year. And that was the dumb COVID year when all Democrats were on board with that spending as well. Now, I've called out Trump for saying that he would end deficit spending and totally retire the debt, end deficit spending in his first term and retire the debt in two. No, he wasn't going to do that either. But, 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 this president is spending on steroids times 100. There's zero interest on their part to cut one dime. In fact, it's quite the opposite. More. Except defense. They don't want to spend any more on defense. But the discretionary component of spending that's non-defense, all that agency complex, they want more. 
all the welfare programs and that uh, are part of mandatory spending, which includes Medicaid. They want more. They're cool with that. How are they going to finance that? We're just going to go collect more taxes from the wealthy. It's it's despicable, and it's it's disingenuous. It's dishonest. It's just simple math, and they won't face the facts. And they go to the American people like Pelosi, and they blast and they spew this rhetoric, which is not rooted in mathematical fact. Math matters. And despite what the liberals say, there's no such thing as giving people a pass and saying 2 plus 2 equals 5. That's just not... It's the same crap with all this 49 gender stuff that we have. No. That's just scientific fact. This is mathematical fact. How in the world can we solve problems until we at least can have a consensus on these facts? Coming right back in the Element Well Studio. Three middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this on Super Talk Mississippi. Let's do. Bumping us into this segment here on Middays. We are live in the Element Well studio here today and tomorrow, headed down to the coast for cruising the coast. Some of our audience sending photos of their classic vehicles that they intend to drive down to cruising the coast, or they may be hauling them down. You know, every year when I return after the show on Wednesday, I always see lots of vehicles in tow, those classic vehicles. Saw a, um, in my neck of the woods in Ridgeland over here, saw one this morning. I went to get some coffee, and it looked like, I'm going to say a 70, 71 Coupe de Ville Cadillac. I think, what, 40, 60 feet wide, something like that. A land yacht. (laughs) And it it was on a trailer. Beautiful condition, too. Had the the, um, half vinyl roof. Uh, Really beautiful. There uh, wasn't a great deal of room in the back seats, not intended to be. But in the front, I think you could slide those front bench seats back so that you're, what, 10, 15 feet away from the gas pedals. They're, they're awesome. They're beautiful, though, classic vehicles that will be down there. Uh, please tell the good folks about uh, federal student loan payments. What's happening there? Uh, well, basically, if your student loans have been paused since spring of 2020, Surprise, surprise, they're due starting yesterday. Yeah. October 1, resumption of student loan repayments. Which is, honestly shouldn't be a surprise to anyone because you've probably been, been probably have been inundated with phone calls or emails trying to get you to refinance or look into an income-based repayment plan or this, that, and the other, and you got to pay them back. Yeah. It's a target-rich environment for those lenders, no doubt about it. Uh, Also, (laughs) please tell our audience about Representative, and I use that term very loosely, Jamal Bowman. He's a little confused, isn't he? What'd he do? Just a little bit. (laughs) 
He was on his way to a vote to prevent the government shutdown and decided he was going to pull the fire alarm. <laughs> Not thinking there was going to be any video evidence of him pulling said fire alarm, so when the evidence came out, he had to put out the most asinine statement known to man. Quote, I want to personally clear up confusion surrounding today's events. Today, as I was rushing to make a vote, I came to a door that is usually open for votes, but today would not open. I'm embarrassed to admit that I activated the fire alarm, mistakenly thinking it would open the door. I regret this and sincerely apologize for any confusion this caused. How dumb do you think we are? It's a door going to the outside with glass windows on a sunny day. You weren't going to vote. You were trying to stop the vote. Uh, and we have uh, what they call video evidence on this as well. So, uh, by the if way, if you're you too stupid to understand the difference in a door button, like a lock button, and a fire alarm, you should not be in the halls of Congress representing anybody. Uh, that would certainly apply to Representative Bowman, who, by the way, is a self-avowed a socialist, a member of the squad, at least uh, the... It, is held up as the lone male member. Yeah, he's uh, he's embellishing the story a bit, shall we say? Because he knows that nobody in the mainstream media outside of Fox is going to call him on it. Yep. In fact, if you paid any attention to it over the weekend, you had people with journalist brain trying to make sense of it all. Oh, well, look at these signs. I could see how he would be confused. No, you don't. It's a fire alarm. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Four-year-olds know not to play with the fire alarm. Yep, exactly. Uh, also, Governor Gavin Newsom of the Golden State, California A, has announced that Democratic strategist LaFonza Butler will assume Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat in the United States Senate. Now, Newsom, uh, what, a year or so ago, I think, said that if such an opportunity arose, which is a bit, a bit morbid, is it not, that you're saying, well, if she doesn't make it, she already said, Senator Feinstein, as you know by now, at the age of 90, passed away last week, up for re-election in 24, said that she would not seek re-election at the age of 91, had she lived. But I guess Newsom kind of getting ready for the possibility of the senator whose health has been on the de de decline over the last year at least said that he would uh, appoint a black female. Did he not? I think he said that. Just like Joe said he would name one as his vice presidential running mate. He said that, and so he's got his, uh, his person here who has some ties to the great state of Mississippi, correct? Yeah, La she was Lafonza. born in Magnolia, I believe, and graduated from Jackson State. Yeah. So she is, uh, she's in there. She is a black female, also the first openly LGBTQ member of the Senate. She is a lesbian. She, she, uh, that's been exposed. So she's in there. And uh, the election, of course, up 
next year, comes next year in California to elect a senator of the most populist state in the nation. Populist, pardon me, not populist. Um, so you've got, I believe, three folks who've already said they're going to run for that seat who are presently in the House. I think that's right. Barbara Lee, Adam Schiff. Oh, boy, I can't wait for him to get in there. And there's one more. Maybe Katie Porter's who I'm thinking about. All who represent California. They have already launched campaigns, I believe, to replace Feinstein in that seat. But right now, it's LaFonza Butler. Now, something else that was stated by Newsom with respect to this uh, potential appointment, this was a while back, he wouldn't appoint anybody. He didn't say it that way. He said he would appoint a placeholder, I believe was the term he used, right? That was the the language he used. Well, I don't think it's yet been determined that uh, whether or not Miss Butler will seek the Senate seat. She may run. I don't know that she's just in there as a placeholder. So we'll see. I mean, that's just a... Maybe that's why he picked somebody with a residence in Maryland, because it's like, all right, if you're just going to sit here for the next couple months, people won't do too much digging. But if you try to run... They're going to bring your residency into account. Yeah, could be. So, by the way, I'm looking at the tube right now. Matt Gates with the uh, iconic U.S. Capitol dome in the background. He is surrounded by reporters. He's speaking, and he is announcing he will make a move this week to oust Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. This guy is in love with. Uh, the media. He's in love with the media exposure. That's my take on it. What do you think? He seems to just oh, yeah. love the limelight, the fame, and you know he's eating it up that he's on national television right now for like the eight millionth time in the last couple of weeks because he made a pretty big deal um, out of the proceedings to keep the government afloat and funded, totally opposed it. And so what look what they want I actually support which is regular order meaning there are 12 appropriations bills for the discretionary side of the federal budget that 30% which is appropriated which is a, which is a funded by the congress and those bills do need to be deliberated independently that is so called regular order that just means that Rather than just saying, okay, continuing resolution, let's sign off on that, which says, just keep everything just like it is. Keep it going. That's what a continuing resolution is, so-called CR. That's not regular order. That's not what we sent them there for. They do need to deliberate each of these 12 appropriations bills independently. I totally agree. We also should adopt zero-based budgeting. Ramaswamy's the only one, Vivek Ramaswamy, Republican candidate for president, he's the only one I've heard say anything about that. And all that really means, folks, is that when you sit down to develop a budget, you don't start with last year's and say, okay, this was last year's, let's make some adjustments. Okay, a little more here, a little less there. Nah, in a zero-based budgeting, you assume nothing is funded. 
And then you sit down and you develop a budget, a plan that assigns dollar values to each funding recipient, if you will. That is how it ought to work. That's how we do it in the private sector. That's that gets how... in the way of fancy dinners, though. <laughs> I'm afraid you're right. It's, it's laziness, among other things. And it's how we keep per- perpetuating this never-ending deficit spending. We're coming right back with half an hour on middays on this Monday. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. Markets are cratering because the 10-year Treasury yield has spiked to a 16-year high, sitting at 4.69. That means, folks, mortgage rates will be going up. The 2-year Treasury yield is near a 17-year high. This is the sort of stuff that needs to take center stage, this topic, in the debates in our political discourse, because this ranks over and above as the top issue on voters' minds by far. Everything else is a distant last compared to this issue. That's not to say that people aren't concerned, as am I, about border crossings, which, by the way, 250,000 last month, 250,000 people crossed the border into this country in the month of September, setting a record. Even Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, says something got to give. Bill Clinton came out and said, this is wrong-headed policy. New York City has had this right-to-shelter provision in their city laws for 40 years. They're saying it ain't working anymore because they can't work, can't get work permits, takes months, so they can't, they got to live somewhere. And the city is accommodating them, and it's breaking them. It's breaking the state, it's breaking the country. Even Bill Clinton says it's got to change. And they have the nerve, uh, do the Democrats, to stand before the American people and say, no, borders are closed. They're secure. I say horse hockey. No, they're not. Any person at any age in this country, if you showed them images, hey, do you think that uh, people can just move freely across that point? Well, yeah, I see them. They're doing it right there. Ain't that hard to figure out. Now the Democrats are blasting DeSantis and even Ramaswamy, who had fairly radical proposals, but maybe on the right track here. We need to send the military into Mexico to take out the cartels. Now, I don't think you can do that without working with Mexico. 
I think if, if the government of Mexico, the Mexican government, approved, and if we work side-by-side side with them, and I certainly hope that they have an interest in helping out here, because that's where they're flowing from, South America, Central America, other countries. It's all flowing through Mexico. The well, cartels... Therein lies the rub, because if you get the Mexican government involved, the Mexican government's going to give the cartels a heads up. It's corrupt, and that's part of the problem. You have the a, same reason they didn't tell Pakistan they were going in to get bin Laden. True. You have a corrupt government in Mexico. I'd cut off all the damn aid. You know, I, I'm a free market person. I don't want to tell private companies you can't set up shop in Mexico, and I know they do. And we have lots of American manufacturing and operations across the border. But I, you got to come up with something here that influences the private sector, shall we say? Maybe we think of some sort of benefits to them by not doing it as opposed to punishing them for doing it. I'm always in favor of positive reinforcement. Works a lot better. Humans respond, I believe, better to that. Um, it's, it's despicable what's going on there. But, yeah, even Clinton. Just saw this story just came in, Rhino. There's a judge who's smirking. This is on video. This is captured on video. I don't know if you've seen this. Ear to ear when Trump sits down in the courtroom. He, you know, this I guess the star factor of a former president taking a seat at the defendant's table in this judge's courtroom has just got him just euphoric. This is just wrong. The celebrity star power should not mean anything. Yeah, this is going viral now, folks. So what's this I'm seeing about Gavin Newsom's pick here that we were just talking about, uh, uh, LaFonza Butler? So she's scrubbed her location as Maryland? Yeah, what's the the goofy activist organization, Emily's List? Yeah, Emily's List. Yeah, worked for. Yeah. Her biography on their website has been scrubbed to remove the last line of the bio saying that she lives in Maryland. Oh, my gosh. Why has everything got to be crooked? Why has everything got to be corrupt? Why can't we just get people for who they are? Because half the country votes Democrat. <sighs> Sick of it. And this Emily's List is a bad group, is it not? What do they, what do they advocate for? Communism, I think, is one of the things they advocate for. Emily's List is the nation's largest resource dedicated to electing Democratic pro-choice women to office. Okay, pro-choice. Okay, gotcha. Abortion on demand, essentially. Well, I want to see these candidates, I'm going to say that again, I want to see all of these candidates really start pounding the drum on capitalism. I'm sick of all this class warfare crap coming out of the left, and we don't say anything about it, and they get up on a stage and bicker like schoolgirls. That's what happened. On TikTok. What did Nikki Haley say? I feel dumber every time I hear you talk to Vivek Ramaswamy. And Trump now refers to Haley as bird brain. Allegedly placed a bird cage in the hall at her hotel room from the Trump campaign, the card was signed. 
This really isn't moving the needle, in my view, in, in addressing the nation's most critical problems. Stop with all the name-calling. Stop with all the personal ad hominem attacks. Well, I, I would say the name-calling is, as is fine as long as it's something that you came up with off the cuff, not something you workshopped with all of your advisors in your campaign, making it sound cheesy, corny, and canned. Like Pence did last week, <laughs> which was terrible. Uh, on the ceasefire tax line, Jason and Pearl says, I have a dumb question. Do senators and representatives pay federal taxes? Yes, absolutely, Jason. Of course they do. They're not exempt from federal taxation. I hear Gates is one of the smartest people in Congress, but I agree he loves the attention way too much. Ben from Madison. Yeah, I absolutely agree uh, with that, Ben. He is a smart guy. I've listened to him. I'm, I'm always uh, tuned in to whenever he's speaking. I, uh, I pay attention. To what he has to say. He has great command of the issues facing the country, both foreign and domestic. But he's um, infatuated with attention, shall we say. And that bothers me. Uh, I don't think he would be a good speaker if that's his plan. I do think he aspires to be the speaker. Ben also asked, would you... uh, where would you put the game on Saturday in terms of ranking on your list of games you've attended? So I've had um, I've had tickets for I guess since the '90s and been um, in the the box up there in the South End Zone since it was uh, opened in 2003. Ben and you know that one was a big one. The Alabama game, of course, was a big one. I can't even remember the year at this point when that occurred. The other one I remember was a Florida game that was really something. It was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, I've had more letdowns <laughs> uh, of late, but yeah, that one was a big one. No doubt about it. It was a great atmosphere. I was disappointed for um, Mississippi State with Alabama. And then, who was it that Southern played? Was it Texas State, I believe? Yeah. So... Uh, I always want to see the in-state programs do well. Is it but true? the Chiefs won with Swifty and Swifties in attendance. Exactly, and uh, the price of all that stuff, the, all the merch, the tickets, and everything else. She, I told you, she's the most influential, powerful person in the country. Is Taylor Swift? Is it true we're giving the illegals twenty-two hundred per month? I've seen some reports on that. Uh, I can't find anything that confirms that. The closest thing I've found to confirming that is in New York, where they're putting them up in hotels. They're not handing over $2,200 in cash. That's right. They do have a stipend, but the majority of the valuation comes from the fact that they're being put up in four- and five-star hotels. The only thing I could confirm is I think they give them a phone at 750 bucks when they, when they grant them asylum. But... Musk pointed out they're granting asylum to serial murderers. Isn't that nice? Come on in, serial murder. Here's a phone, 750 bucks. Help yourself to the benefits of America. That's just how upside down this crap is. We're coming right back with a final segment on middays, and then it's Ricky Matthews with Super Talk Outdoors. Yeah. 
Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Rick Wakeman and Yes with Roundabout. Arguably their most famous tune. All right, we got tickets to give away. Oh, yeah, the Sanderson Farms Championship is here. It's Mississippi's only PGA Tour stop, and Super Talk Mississippi's giving you a chance to see the pros play. All you got to do is have an email address that's working, because we're going to send the tickets via email. But now is your chance to win those pair of tickets. Be the 12th person to text into the ceasefire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. Be the 12th person to text in the word chicken. And you'll win a pair of tickets to check out the pro golfers at the Sanderson Farms Championship this weekend. All righty. There you go. Speaking of student loan repayment, says Sheila in Tupelo, I didn't ask for my loans to be paused for this time that they were, but I now have to physically go into my account and reactivate payments. Wow, that's interesting. Philip in Walthall County says even German electronics manufacturer Bosch is in Mexico. Well, uh, the largest partner that we work with when I was in business, Cisco Systems, C-I-S-C-O. They're the guys that make all the networking stuff that makes uh, all the allows all these devices and people to connect. About 50,000 products, by the way, when I sold my company in their product catalog from uh, routers and switches to unified communications technologies, a ton of different software products, management products, wireless technology, server storage, well, servers, and virtualization tools, not storage at the time. Of course, they just bought Splunk. We talked about that. But nonetheless, um, they make a lot of their stuff in Mexico as well. The labor is inexpensive. That's why. Fire every damn one of them, says William and Tupelo, and start over. Clinton is a day late and a dollar short on commenting on the border. I would tend to agree. Anytime someone says they will appoint a person based on their gender or race, that just diminishes their abilities. So Governor Newsom is not highlighting her abilities, but her race and gender, in my opinion. Same thing with Supreme Court Justice Mike. Same thing with every member of the cabinet. Same thing with the vice president. That was all about playing, like, I like to say, it's like playing chess. One of them, one of those, one of these. That's how we got a, uh, a gay um, Department of Transportation Secretary. That's how we got a transgender Deputy Secretary of Health. That's why we got Hispanic and Muslim. I mean, it's all about that, you see, because diversity. We have to have diversity. The magic of intersectionality. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And merit and qualifications and value proposition, those are distant seconds, thirds, and lasts uh, compared to one's uh, physical traits their sexual orientation, their gender, the melanin content of their skin, as you like to say. This has been sweeping this country now for at least three years, and it's, uh, it's scary. We've got to return to merit-based outcomes, outcomes based on performance. 
Imagine if we transition professional sports, sports at any level, to that model. What would that look like? In the name of diversity and inclusion, it would suck is what would happen. The idea of putting, I don't know, the best player on the field? Can't do that. we got to be inclusive. we got to get the worst player. Because they check some boxes. It's oh gosh. Yeah, but just then where go does it end? On. I mean, if you have the teams that are perfectly equitable according to the Democrat mindset, then what happens when one team has more first downs than the other team? <laughs> we that's right. We've got, got more passing yards than Team X. You gotta let them throw the ball for equity's sake. It, it it is hypocritical though, isn't it? A double standard. It's like attacking all these CEOs. I went through the math on that last week. Why don't they attack? What's Lionel Messi making now? Like a billion a year? Saudi Arabia offered him, right? A billion a year. Yeah, I don't think he's making quite that much playing for MLS. And he said, no, I don't want to play for them. I want to go to the MLS, play in the States. He's at Miami. He's making a bunch, though. I bet it's in the hundreds of millions. His salary's, what, 80 million, 100 million, something like that? Then you add to it all the endorsements and all the other uh, payments he receives. Remuneration. It's a lot. In cash alone, he's making between 125 and 150 million. Okay, but we're blasting the CEO of GM who makes 29, of which about eight is cash. And what would you say? Cash alone. Yeah, that doesn't include any advertising or sponsorship deals or right. tie-ins to the MLS. Because I don't, I haven't seen his contract the way David Beckham. When they got David Beckham to come to MLS, it was with the promise that he could buy a team at a cut rate. MLM, Messi may be doing the same thing. So, $250, $300 million cash, right? That's orders of magnitude, multiples more than the highest paid CEO, corporate CEO in America. Why don't we attack Lionel Messi? That's okay, I guess. He he's, kicks a soccer ball. What do you think the person who lines the field makes? 40 50 grand a year? So what's Messi make? Like 2,000 times more? (laughs) Unbelievable. We're out of here today. Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews is next. Back with you next. I should say back with you tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.